0: Okay, uh, good morning. i Stephen
1: Dirkstein for the of the Talent. I want to focus on two issues today, the discriminatory investigation leading to the uh, denial of the task force assignment and then retaliation. Um, the district court said that the uh, complaint uh, pledged only in conclusive terms that there was uh, discriminatory intent in the course of the investigation that led to the denial of the task force. It's not conclusive. Um, Plank says, and the, the memo issued by Lieutenant Gay corroborates this, because in the memo he talks about the process leading up to the investigation, which is that, so it's an admission, which is that when they found out that Lieutenant Taddy had recommended plaintiff uh, to this position, other members of the task force expressed concerns over, um, expressed concerns that, that really reflected a stereotypical view of plaintiffs.
0: Well, that, that's what I wanted to ask you about, because it seems to me that, that there are actually specific incidents that they're referring to, not, not general stereotypes. I mean, they're, they're basically saying he was on a video in which explicit language was used. Uh, he's depicted listening to rap music that involves uh, explicit language in violation of a department policy. Well, How are those stereotypes as opposed to specific incidents?
1: They accuse them of associated gang members and convicted criminals, um, they but they, didn't
0: they point to specific incidents?
1: But he re- refuted each and every one of those episodes, and he said in his rebuttal memo, none of this is true. You know, the photographs that you're talking that about have already been reviewed an or hired, and they, it, something that took place in 2011 when I was about 17 years old. And, you know, I don't have a magic tattoo with any gang members, I don't associate with criminals, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with listening to rap and you know the, the initial uh, concerns raised by of these officers was essentially he's not one of us. And let, let's face it, if, if these concerns were true, and they had already believed that these things were true, people would be working with the department. You, you can't have a police officer working with the police department running around, the gang members associated with criminals and this matching act. too. the gang member none of this was true. And in the memo, in Lieutenant gave the memo. Told Captain Jay, corroboration is required to act on these concerns, which is a crime Lieutenant Hattie's offer. And that's what they did. They conduct an investigation without consulting with the plaintiff at all, asking about any of this. They they, they reached these adverse findings about him that make him, if true, not only unfit for the the task force, probably unfit to work with the police department, but his his rebuttal shows that none of this was true. So, on a rules level, where we accept the plaintiff's allegations as true, and don't get into uh, Whether he was. Uh, under Rule we, 12, we have to accept that the allegations in the complaint that he was denied the position for stereotypical reasons, because it was raised, is true. And, you know, the, the arguments uh, that the defendants have raised, agreed well, he did violate the policy, that's a judgment. You know, listening to rap music is not against the law, and it doesn't reflect negatively on someone's character. I don't think on a Rule 12, you can find that even though there's a, a video of them, he's with practice playing the background. He says that the background is what it is. That that's enough to sustain uh, a Rule 12 dismissal. So the, the discriminatory intent is not conclusive, as district report said. The discriminatory intent is reflected in the details of and in the, the memo, page 81-82. 80 the memo really tells us what was happening, particularly uh, the 7th how they reacted when they found out that plaintiff was in line with this task force. So this question about adverse action, whether uh, denial of plaintiff's membership on the task force is an adverse action. uh, Under Rule
0: 12, at this stage of the case, it is. Well, I I, I guess maybe there's more of a question of just uh, causation. So, I mean, the allegations seem to be vague as to who made the decision. Uh, and what the decision was based on. The, Maybe you can help the, me with that.
1: the task force, sure. Well, certainly Lieutenant Gay, who wrote the report, is the, the defendant. This is also a Title seven case, not just in 1983, but a little bit of individual liability under 1983. Uh, Captain Gay is one defendant. Uh, Deputy Chief Trudell is another because he ordered the investigation and he said, find what can find on this guy, and we know based on language, treat uses in private, suggesting uh, a firm intent, um, the officers who conducted the investigation are uh, identified in the complaint. It wasn't just Captain uh, Gay in the investigation it was the other officers, too. So accepting the allegations and the complaint was true, uh, they endeavored to find they, uh, their complaint, if it wasn't true, uh, they're liable as well. placement on the, the gang violence task force. Um, adverse action, uh, a couple of the points I want to make about the adverse action. First, the complaint alleges, even though this didn't cost uh, quite any salary, um, the loss of a prestigious position uh, that has the potential to advance your career,
2: that could be an adverse action. Counsel, um, the Supreme Court heard argument in a case called Muldrow, mm-hmm. um, Question presented is: Does Title VII prohibit discrimination in transfer decisions um, absent a separate court determination that the transfer decision caused a significant disadvantage? Um, does the answer to whether the adverse action, whether the denial of transfer here is an adverse action, depend on the outcome of that case?
1: Yes, if this court disagrees with me. Side. So you would say
2: we wouldn't need to wait for that because, in your view, it was a significant disadvantage. Correct.
1: But if you disagree with that, if the plaintiff and Mulder wins, then I think would, because it would be a discriminatory force. He could equivalent have a transfer denial based on race, and I can't what do, but it looks like the issue. Protected activity, he filed the most of claim um, objectives in the discriminatory culture and the uh, police. You had the adverse action in the form of a reprimand, right? Which took place a week later. And reprimands under this surface cases, um, Ontario and Malaya, may qualify as adverse actions. And you have, well, you have well,
0: well I mean, in this case, the reprimand was just basically no action, right? <laughs> it was just, just a warning that this is the policy uh, of the department.
1: And if you do it again, we will take more severe action. So that would make anyone think twice or dissuade them from speaking out. So, so
0: in your view, any warning is enough to constitute an adverse action.
1: A reprimand. And this is this is a reprimand. And this Court just said reprimand may qualify for well,
0: that. They may, but I, mean, I think that they don't say that a reprimand that has... No, concept. I mean, this is contemplating no further action at all, right? Unless he continues to listen to rap music
1: and posts it <clears> on <to> Facebook, <throat> then he will be subjected to more severe uh, discipline. And, you know, obviously, they more severe discipline. So. Well, it wasn't about rap
0: music. It was about explicit language, right?
1: Well, that and listening to music on a video. And, you know, none of that. Under Rule 12, we can't sue that he violated the department policy based on what he was alleged to have done in the reprimand. But the way I read the score's cases, a reprimand can be an adverse action. And it's too early in the case, maybe for some judgment to explore what it means to be reprimanded by the department. But for now, under Rule 12, I think we make the claim that a a reprimand like this is. Um, the social media posts, um, in their brief, they say, well, social media posts violate policy on the face. I'm not so sure about that. You know, there's a complex balancing test. This court uses uh, Lucurdo versus Giovanni. The <coughs> law who duty of non verb related speech is entitled to significant person and protection, and then you have to analyze it carefully under the two or three part balancing test. You can't really
3: Mr. Bergstein, earlier on, at the very beginning of your argument, you made a passing reference, if I'm not mistaken, to pages in the appendix 81 and 82. I have a bad habit of opening the appendices. Not that that your comment was inappropriate, but what exactly about these pages, what what should I be looking at?
1: Take a look at Paragraphs on page 81, Paragraphs 2, Paragraphs 3, and 4, for that matter, gun um, violence task force personnel, that's the second line of Paragraph 2, voice their concern about accepting the offer due to known associations with gang members and convicted criminals. they were referring to the There are no associations with gang members and convicted criminals. P.O. Hanks has a matching tattoo. We shot incidents, um, there's a social media video up in, in uniform uh, listening to a rap song. You know, this tells you, this really frames the nature of the investigation that followed. Next paragraph, um, Deputy Chief of says uh, that the knowledge of concern and corroboration is required to act on these concerns and decline the intent of offer. So that's what they did. They do an investigation without using law, reaching these, these, these important areas. member and uh, the associates of gang members, he wrote a rebuttal that all this in context. He said, none of either all of this is false, or there's is, is a lot more of a story than you're presenting in this, in this, in this memo. That's the memo that brought some the position on the task force. So, you know, in some ways, page 81 82 is the most important document in the joint appendix. <laughs> it really shows you you involved, you know, what do you do to to you know corroborate or disprove any of this? And anybody speak to anyone to see if it's true or to see if it's not true. Um, and how exactly does listening to beefing in a police car? Well, he wasn't a police car; he was in a rented car. How does that violate department policy? And you you can't decide these issues on a rule twelve. So I don't think the, the allegations. Let
3: me ask you. I'm just trying to understand the record, and I'm sure you'll help me. The word brick, B R I C K, (coughs) comes up. It's a term of art that refers to drugs, right? I don't know. That's Um, a dead
1: brief. Um, I I have no idea what that language means, and I don't think on the basis of the complaint, we can make Mm -hmm. conclusive assertions that kind of means. I think he was quoting the rap video. Um, you know, I recognize that rap music is wild lyrics. All kinds of music, by the way, have been appropriate there, so I can assure you of that. And so to pin it on the planet, because he's listening to that kind of music, they're all listening to that kind of music. It's not rap. So I don't know what brick means, but that's something to explore and discover. Do you understand that the word brick means Well,
3: maybe opposing counsel will address this concern of mine. Let me ask you another part of the record. Where is your client's uh, notice of claim? It Uh, is not in here. It is
1: cited in the complaints, but it is not. It was not attached as. The
3: right to sue letter is to be found at page seventy-nine, but um, I don't. Right.
1: S- we don't. The the notice of claim is not here, but it's summarized in the complaint. Okay. That's what I can tell you is that the notice of claim says he was subjected to discriminatory culture at the police uh, department. So, so. Thanks I, very much. Thank you. All right. You reserve uh, three minutes
0: for rebuttal. We'll now hear uh, from Mr. Butler for six minutes, and then Mr. Powers for six minutes.
4: Good morning. Brian Lovett, representative the city of Syracuse, Kenton-Walkner, Deputy Chief Richard Trudeau, Chief Joseph Cecil, and Deputy Chief Eric the, um I, I would like to start with... said to this court that none of the concerns expressed in the uh, memorandum at uh, record pages 81 and 82 were true. That is an absolutely incorrect statement. And that can be shown through the rebuttal memo that starts at record page 125. the points in the uh, Captain Gay memo page 81 and 82 are all factual references of associations that the plaintiff had with known gang members. And in the rebuttal memo, plaintiff acknowledged that. He actually said, Go Brooks, who's a known uh, uh, Bricktown gang member, They have a matching tattoo together, and he spent a whole page talking about how he had a relationship with Will Brooks all through high school. He grew up with him, he was friends with him. Can I ask
2: just a a, a record question? So was the rebuttal memo was appended to the complaint?
4: The rebuttal memo was not. Well, yes, I believe it was. I think it was exhibit 92. untrue, that the, the references in that Captain Gay memo were accurate, and plaintiff acknowledges those in his and his rebuttal memo. And that is why the court found that there is no inference of discrimination alleged in the complaint. Um,
0: well, the principal basis, it seems to me, that for the complaint, and certainly on appeal, is that this is a stereotype case. Uh, And so I guess I'll ask you the same question that I asked Mr. Bergstein. Stereotype cases are generally uh, about uh, generalizations about a particular group uh, that reveal animus. These seem to be particularized incidents um, that, if true, would be relevant. That's
4: correct. And we have to put this into context with... This 30-day temporary transfer to the gang violence task force clearly, his associations with gang members are relevant to this inquiry. And, Judge, this isn't a situation where the department said um, plaintiff listens to rap music, therefore he must be associated with a gang. They were they were looking at specific instances of associations that plaintiff had with these gang members. So it's not a stereotype. These are these are factual findings that. That plaintiff rebutted, and his rebuttal now he explained the context of them, but that doesn't mean that they're stereotypes. Nobody, uses um, stereotypes. There are no racial slurs at all. All that is to have occurred in relation to this temporary transfer.
2: Can, can I ask you about the gang affiliation? Sure. I gather your point is, well, because it, because they're true. Um, it's not plausible to say that it was based on a stereotype. And, and, and what you point to to show it's true is this Exhibit 9, which you've told me, is an exhibit to the complaint, so we can look at it for purposes of a motion to dismiss. Um, and there it says, well, it's true, but it's so long ago that it, they're just looking to something that doesn't bear on, on my affiliations now. I mean at some point might the might that argument make the contention that they're looking to something that's stereotype based plausible if, if the rebuttal memo says I hung out in a certain neighborhood uh, <clears throat> doesn't mean I'm affiliated now with gang members would there be a plausible inference at that point
4: I mean, in, in that and to, just to uh, you know, add another, in that rebuttal memo, References recent activity, for example, photographs with gang members that were posted on social media as well. So it's not just distant um, relationships. It was recent activity, recent social media posts that showed him, uh, you know, at least having some relationship with gang members. But, but, would, you, but would you
2: agree at some point it, the, the rebuttal points could be sufficient to say, well, this allegation of affiliation is too. Far-fetched, too stretched. That we would say, okay, it's plausible then that this is being pointed to as as pretext for the. I don't. I
4: don't agree that in the context of, of this situation, which is the temporary assignment of the gang violence task force, his associations, whether they're present or whether they're in the past, are very relevant to that um, to that assignment for that temporary period to that to that task force. Those were uh, identified as causes for concern, and clearly they are. And actually, in their uh, in their brief, I believe in their uh, in their reply and in their opening memo, they expressed that. Without the context that uh, the plaintiff um, uh, gave in his rebuttal memo, that would the That would be cause for, for concern. So, I, I, do, I do not um, uh, believe that, that would show any discrimination. Those causes to be expressed, and frankly, for the um, plaintiff to uh, respond to those. With respect to the, uh, the adverse action, so, and this wasn't addressed by the, the court decision, but this temporary transfer, 30 day temporary transfer, cannot be an adverse action under Second Circuit uh, precedent first. The doesn't explain anymore how his current assignment in the gun violence suppression detail, which was another elite task force, is any different than his assignment in the, you know, temporary assignment in the gang violence task force. In addition, I think the the
0: key to Well, I mean, there was a a suggestion that it's more prestigious, right? And that that implies that it will have uh, a positive impact membership in the, in the task force.
4: They, 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 they do allege that, but they don't allege it as how that's any different than the prestigious task force that he was already assigned to. In addition, this Well, he says day, more prestigious. Okay. This, and, and, and they do allege that, Joe. So. And this 30-day transfer is important and distinguishes this case from many of the other cases except for the Petrosino versus Bell case which was... Uh, Second Circuit 2004 decision. In that case, the court talked about a temporary transfer, found that even even with an allegation that that could improve chances for advancement, that wasn't sufficient to constitute a uh, an adverse employment action. Um, if, if we
2: agree with you, then then do we need to see what the Supreme Court says in Muldrow before concluding that the, tra- the denial of transfer is not an adverse action?
4: I, I don't believe so, because the, I think the standard is whether there would be a materially significant disadvantage to the court. Well, That
2: That's the question that the court's considering, whether that's required. So, so well, I'm, I'm not,
4: I'm not uh, arguing, although it's a fact that there would be no differential in pay. When I'm, when I'm, the, the argument is that there is no material disadvantage from a denial, even if there was a denial, and that's uh, in dispute. If there was a denial, there was no material disadvantage to the plaintiff's court condition by his failure to, to participate on a 30-day rotation, through the task Finally, with respect to uh, retaliatory, or the retaliation claim, uh, again, our position is, in the court properly held under the Burlington Northern Standard, action by the issuance of this um, uh, written reprimand. I, I would refer the court to a more recent case that uh, was issued after the briefing in this case, and that's Car versus New York City Transit Authority, seventy six F 4th, seventy two. And in that case, this court reaffirmed the Burlington Northern standard with respect to adverse employment action in a retaliation case, and and concluded with respect to the plaintiff in that case that, while the plaintiff argued that her diminished performance ratings, not having analysts report directly to her being assigned to additional pro- projects and her supervisor's hostile tone in emails, constitute unlawful retaliation, the court found that the alleged retaliatory actions were the result of generally applicable workplace policies and the plaintiff uh, has not produced evidence that these policies were applied with her or not. That's very similar to the situation in this case. The written reprimand was a result of an investigation that was already underway and um, and resulted in a reprimand without without any further action that is very the the, the evidence is in the record, the social media post very clearly violated the Department social media. So that fits very well within Carver's New York City Transit Authority. And because there's no... And there are no
2: allegations of discriminatory application in the complaint of the policy. That's correct.
0: That's correct. All right. Well, I think uh, you're, you're a little bit over. But Thank we'll hear you. now from uh, Mr. Powers for six minutes. Thank you, Your Honor. Good morning. Uh, I,
5: I represent nine uh, individual None of their co employees of Officer Hanks. None of them are in his chain of command at the relevant time period. The one uh, party, individual party would note that I would like to focus on is, is Captain Gay, gay. Um, but at the end, and I'd like to focus on the gay memo, which I think is appropriate. Uh, at the outset, uh, relative to my other clients, I, I would note that page two in the library, uh, of the reply brief, plaintiff indicates that these are his claims against three of my clients, uh, Sue Izzo, Susan Izzo, Ian Clark, and Brandon Fumier. That that leaves six, including Tim Gay. Relative to the other five, Hillman, Patel, Fiorini, Metz, and Howard. The sum of the allegations against those individuals is in two uh, paragraphs What is alleged is that these individuals violated the plan's constitutional rights because they conspired with of, uh, uh, Captain Gay to investigate the one, to sur- surveil him. And, and, and from the pleading and from the from the papers, we learn that this means that they collected social media and they handed it to Captain Gay. That is the sum the allegations against those individuals. We have this, the case here in this district, umbrella versus County Nassau, which has been cited in many other decisions, uh, um, which holds that a vague, conclusory allegation of conspiracy that individualized conduct identified in the details of conspiracy, identified in the pleadings, is not sufficient to state a constitutional claim Individual defense that uh, uh, Captain Gay's conduct, to the extent it could be uh, argued to be uh, a violation of the Constitution, he can't be to these other individuals. We're just doing what we told them to, according to the pleadings, and collecting social media. Now, investigating an employee or an applicant for their social media is not an illegal act, it happens in every field including the field of all the people in this room. It's not illegal, and it doesn't carry with it some inference of discriminatory animus. Now, the thing that we need to remember about the game now is context. Context is important, right? Uh, this is not uh, uh, an employer in some field referring to an applicant as being related to a hangar playing or or the like that's unrelated to gang members or gang affiliates. It is the very purpose of the gang violence task force to investigate gang violence and gang crime. And So what Captain Day is doing, and I agree with the council, one of the most important documents is the day memo. He's accurately reflecting information that he's been told or provided. And he's passing that on to Chain of command to the chief's office. He's also giving them, this is important context, the social media posts that he's relying on. It's, it's part of his memory. And he's letting them, the, the chain of command make the decision. He's not giving an up or down recommendation on the 25th. He's saying you should be cautious about this. You should exercise, quote, justifiable caution. This is the supervisor of the gang violence test. He says he's worried about the integrity of their investigation if one of their members has associations with known gang members. Okay. That is clearly a function of, 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 of an individual's qualification and suitability for that position. It has no, implied or otherwise, reference to officer act. And indeed, gang membership is not a race identifier. It's not a race identifier in the case law, and it's not a race identifier in the gang, gang membership uh, transacts all races. And so this is a characteristic or qualification relative to this particular job. There can be no imputation of inference of racial discrimination, just because Officer uh, Captain Hanks was observing that there appears to be some connection, both past connections or current connections, between this officer and uh, and, and these known gang members. And, and I'd like to address in more depth your your question, Judge Nathan, about isn't there isn't there a potential at some point that these connections can be so stale that we can apply some sort of ulterior uh, race coding in you know raising these concerns. Um, so I want to direct your attention to the rebuttal now and just for everybody's this is the second most important document to review in the record. This is a authored by the plaintiff. It's his rebuttal to the uh, the game I'm on, and it's provided to the department before they made any decision on the transfer and before they. Discipline.
0: And you agree this is part of the complaint, right? There's no dispute about that. It's attached to the complaint.
5: It's referenced in the pleading. Right.
0: Okay. So what page are you referring us to?
5: Okay, this is page 125 to 129.
0: Well, so, we're not going to read all that. So I mean, we 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 will read it. We have read it. But what are you referring to?
5: Okay, so counsel says. Uh, it's untrue that uh plaintiff has an association with gang members, even that he has a matching tattoo. Page one, this is page uh, 126, or, or 125, excuse me. Photo one is a photo from 2011 with a former friend of mine, Will Brooks. The photo is shortly after we got matching tattoo together, which states when we got judgment. This is his words, plaintiff's words. He says, Brooks and I both attended attended high school together where we became good friends. He says, Will Brooks is a well-known, documented Bricktown gang member. He says, I have made arrests in my career of individuals in vehicles with with Will Brooks. He also says, I have arrested other Bricktown gang members. So, Once the department gets this, it's worse for the point. Now, now he argues this is a stale relationship in high school. You can imagine the supervisor of the New Violence Task Force who may have to uh, execute a wiretap on the Brooktown (coughs) Gap on Mr. Brooks, may have to execute a warrant on Mr. Brooks' residence, may have to Call uh, Officer Hanks to witness to
4: testify
5: against it. Mr. Brooks. How even an old relationship? And he admits that they were, but even an old relationship is a cause for concern. <coughs> this, is not, uh, uh, this is not code for race, and there's no plausible argument that it is. This is a legitimate concern that relates to his appointment. So let's talk about the other. Important part of the record. This, social media posts. this is 156 and 157 of the record. These were provided with the memo, the chain of and they were attached to the uh, letter of recommendation. They are appropriate to consider as part of the record on Rule 12. And I'd like to focus on 157. This is a social media book from March 20th. 2020. Okay, so this is not a scale of an old reference. This is less, this is about approximately less than eight months before the incidents in question. The, the, the line is, Brendan Hanks is with Walik Betts. He's with him, Now, Walik we'll Betts, Brandon Hanks will tell you that a drug member, 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 is a prior member of the book campaign. Camp. Now, believe that so you can also see in the record we this providing we'll for our brief is a convicted, federally convicted, RICO felon for gang-related activity. Okay, so that's one, two. He states, "This is a quote attributable to him. So this is Brandon Hanks in the picture. The hardest thing to do in life is to refrain from slapping the shit out of somebody that deserved multiple explanations." Now, council argues, "Well, this is this is Mr. Hanks being punished for listening to that. Where in this post does it indicate that's rap? Artist. Where's the attribution to the rap artist? Who is a rap artist? Where's the quotation marks? I read this. I don't. I don't see a rap there. I see a police officer saying something wildly inappropriate." gratuitously referring to violence against people in a public-facing, private, social media post. Uh, In addition, he's indicated in the caption that he's with a known, convicted gang belt. And so um, it's not correct to say that there's no truth to the gang memo. You see, if you read that rebuttal memo carefully, everything that Captain Gay says in that memo is true. Now, Captain Gay doesn't just send the report. He sends the information to the Chief's Office. You make your own determination. Um, Context matters. All
0: right, right. thank you, Mr. Powers. Uh, We'll now hear from Mr. Bergstein for three minutes of rebuttal.
1: context certainly does matter. Planet's rebuttal puts everything in context. We mentioned, we heard about Will Brooks. that makes it clip He has nothing to do with Will Brooks anymore. They knew each other in high school. They went their separate ways. They, they, they had no contact anymore. He's a former friend from, from 10 years ago when they were teenagers. You can't hold that against him today. Um, they would have known this had they actually asked Brenton Hanks They did the investigation, which they never did because it was a one sided investigation. And I would hope that somebody investigated me. It wasn't
2: the rebuttal prior prior to the determination not to transfer. I
1: think it was, it's not clear when the rebuttal was written, but whether it was before or whether it was after, it doesn't hurt this case because it was before.
3: I'm just
2: responding to your argument just now that. He wasn't given an opportunity to explain. No. And it you attached to your complaint his explanation, which... It
1: wasn't a formal request to respond. I think he was given... I think somebody in the department gave him the game memo and said, here, this is what they're saying about you. And Brendan took it upon himself to write it a bottle. It wasn't part of a formal process where we want to hear your side of the story. Um, had, had someone not given the game memo to Brendan, there wouldn't be a rebuttal so it wasn't part of the process, but had they asked him, tell us more about Bill Brooks, he would have said, I have nothing to do with him. And when they, he was clear for the position. Well, wouldn't he have said,
2: I have nothing to do with him anymore? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the point? So, so the, right. the, uh, the memo, true. the gay memo says a known affiliation. You said that's not true. I think what you mean is he no longer has an affiliation,
1: right? Right. The inference is he's, he's still associated. And, and he's not. And he, he spends a full page explaining, I have nothing to do with this guy, and I have nothing to do with him. And this came up when he was cleared for position in the first place. The department asked him about that association, and he was cleared for employment. Um, right, was, but
0: I mean, there might be a difference between being cleared for employment and being selected for a gang unit. No.
1: On well, the Rule 12, I mean, we're not conceding that he was associating with people that the making task force. So on the, on the face of this record, that's not a legitimate basis to, to hold it against
0: them. So you don't think it would be relevant if, if some of the targets of a task force are people that a person knew pretty closely and had close relationships with in the past? That's irrelevant in your view?
1: I, I imagine it could come up, but it doesn't make him ineligible to join the task force. is all about everything. We have on oh he hangs around gang members. He, is, he was in a photograph with a gang member. That's also in the record that we just heard about. He didn't know the guy in the photo was a member of the gang because it was a birthday party that Hanks went to and he was posing with everybody. And somebody said, oh by the way, somebody they you posed with is a member of the gang. He didn't, he didn't know that. So why are we holding that against him? We, we heard that Wally Betts, um, you know, he explains the <coughs> relationship <who coughs> with that has denounced all involvement with gang membership, and he runs the business. And the of supports people in Syracuse who run their own business in these uh, disadvantaged communities. And you know, I, I guess my point is, you know, this sounds like a summary judgment argument where we're looking at, you know, what are the consequences of this? What does it mean for that? You know, this is a Rule Twelve. You know, we don't know um, really that you violated uh, uh, city policy by posting uh, what the claims claims. After were and as I mentioned earlier, no, no,
0: but I guess the point is whether this supports an inference of discrimination. And so, if uh, the race of the person with these affiliations were different, uh, your views of this, uh, what is the reason to think that the out, that there wouldn't have been a memo or there wouldn't have been concern about affiliations and conduct of the sort described in the memo? The complaint
1: says members of the test
0: Okay, that that's a conclusory statement. But right? uh, that, that that you don't get to rely.
1: on. But as much as we know Dayton's discovery is that they didn't want one test force, and he would the first black member of the for us. We know that Trudeau, who ordered the investigation, we know what kind of language he uses in He gave sworn testimony about racial language. So he was involved in all of this. So that helps us. Um you know, making continuous reference to associations with gang members, criminals. Um, various references to gravity sound like racial stereotypes in me without giving the claim the chance to be heard, without giving a chance to respond. And, you know, he does respond in a memo that, if you read really it carefully, he places everything in the context. And this memo is, is certainly right for, for evaluation and discovery and discovery judgment. But I don't think we can say on Rule 12 that this memo moves his case because he admits that 10 years ago he was friends with somebody who went on to the end. What is this? Made clearly point his commitment to law enforcement, his commitment to the
0: community. He, he's not that person. But this stereotyping as somebody that you don't want as okay. a candidate. Okay. Well, we've uh, we've gone way over. I think for every everyone. But look, we had questions, so that's you know we, that's that's why we go over. But we have uh, certainly your briefs. We'll reserve decision. Thank you all Thank you. for Thank well you. argued.